0: welcome to their story collective a podcast dedicated to sharing the stories that have shaped our lives in order to encourage you all so let's get into this month's episode something
1: got something
0: And welcome back to our podcast. You're listening to Jenna and Christina. Today, we are going to be speaking to both of our parents who are, are going to share our health stories as they have a better recollection of uh, what we went through, um, especially better than we do. Yeah. Uh, so in previous episodes, we have spoken about our individual health stories and what we thought we would do is do an episode with our parents to share more accurate information and to share actually what it's like from their perspective. So today we are speaking to uh, my mum and Gina's dad, Bruce. So Bruce. first up is Bruce. <laughs> Jenna's dead. So, Bruce, why don't you walk us through Jenna's first few years?
1: Well, Jenna was born without a lung. Instead, she had a cystic tumour. And in her case, at birth, it took up 80% of her chest cavity. It displaced her heart, made her stomach and intestines small, and squashed a good lung. And within four hours of being born, Jenna had surgery at Starship Hospital to remove the cystic formation. The surgery took the large part of the day, and the surgeon removed the damaged tissue but thought there might have been a small sliver of actual lung tissue, and he tried to leave that in. That turned out to be a critical and helpful decision. Jenna then spent 12 weeks in starship at PIKU, pediatric intensive care. Uh, Took quite a while for the sliver of remaining lung or tissue uh, to heal. All I can say is that the Piku staff were fantastic. I have great admiration for them and I'm very grateful to them they got Jenna through. Also Jenna as a fighter are very important in getting through as well. Because of the constant tubes going in and out of her throat while she was in Piku, mainly to help her breathe, Jenna developed oral aversion. So that meant if anything got close to her lips, Instead of swallowing, she would gag, so she had an overdeveloped gag reflex and no swallowing reflex. And this meant that Jenna couldn't eat normally and was tube fed. After about 12 weeks in Piku, Jenna was transferred to NICU, Neonatal Intensive Care Unit at Christchurch Women's Hospital, where we came from. Once it was obvious that she wouldn't be able to eat for herself very quickly, and also that she had problems with reflux that was a danger to her one remaining lung and that caused a couple of emergencies. She was sent back to Starship for surgery. That surgery was to prevent the reflux and also to insert a gastrostomy tube so that meals could go direct to her stomach instead of having to use the nasogastric tube. Jenna was finally allowed home about nine months after birth Uh, And then we had quite a lot of support and therapy from the Champion Center, which is based in Berwood Hospital in Christchurch, over the next three to four years of her life. Uh, This was a key for her development and to start to reverse that gag reflex that she developed. And we had a half a day at Champion Center per week. Uh, Jenna was fed by tube, uh, mostly overnight, but sometimes during the day as well and so it was pretty intense for a few years with not too much sleep uh, the tissue left behind by the surgeon grew but it was cystic it didn't become a functioning lung but it grew and kept pace with jenna's growth for the first few years of her life that meant that she did not develop scoliosis early on in life but started it to develop it a little bit when she was a little bit older And that meant that she was able to get, grow enough, before she needed surgery to correct that scoliosis.
0: As a parent, what emotions were going through your mind throughout that period of time?
1: Ah, it's hard to remember. I do remember a whirlwind of emotions and often contradictory. So fear and assurance, despair, hope, sadness, joy, anger, peace, gladness, sorrow often tumbling together, often within the same hour. Um, in many ways, uh, my the life my wife and I were planning and looking forward to, with all our hopes and dreams for our children and for ourselves, was changed with what happened. That our child was unwell, uh, that might not survive birth. And if she did, could be very ill. Uh, for the rest of her life there was the unfairness of it Uh, you have a child that is suffering you have an older brother that is finding it hard Um, so quite a lot of emotions I guess Um, but actually Jenna has initially we were like Jenna's going to be ill all her life but actually Jenna has not been ill all her life and um, watching her grow and deal with her condition Uh, we have learned a lot she's a fighter and um, she's been pretty amazing really
0: so bruce i understand that you were still at university uh, while all of this was happening so why don't you share a bit more about how you got through that season
1: Uh, yes i was still at university uh i was able to put my whole my studies on hold so no big deal really uh I was at the write-up stage of my PhD thesis, so it was easy to just put it on hold. If I had experiments running, I couldn't have done that, that would have been a lot more difficult. And um, I had a lot of support from the university, and from my supervisors, uh, from other students. And Jenna's mum also worked at the university, and they gave her a lot of help as well over that time and kept her job open for her amongst other things.
0: Why don't you tell us a bit more about the support that you had while Jenna was in hospital?
1: We did have a lot of support uh, over that time. Uh, we lived in Christchurch uh, when all this started, but we had to go to Auckland for Jenna's birth, uh, just um, because it was thought that she might need the surgery at Starship Hospital, and that was how it turned up, turned out. Uh, When we were in Auckland, we needed to find a place to live, and relatively long-term. Ronald McDonald House was not an option for us at that stage. Fortunately, the organisation that Jenna's grandparents worked for had a small flat in the suburb of Howick, and we were able to use that for the whole time we were there. That was a big bonus for us. They also had a car that we were able to loan for our stay, and that meant that we could get in and out of starship, every day Uh, and that meant we could take luke uh, jenna's older brother to different places and do things with him as well Um, my sister wendy also dropped her stuff and came and spent um, a couple or three weeks with us in auckland Uh, she stayed and basically she did fun things with luke every day and cooked meals and stuff that was really helpful my cousin jillian also dropped everything for a while and came to auckland Uh, She stayed at another house, but would come in pretty much every day with her son, Lockie, Luke's cousin, and take them both off for the day, and they would wander around Auckland and do fun things. And that meant that Luke didn't have to wander around Starship, but he could do things with his cousin or his aunt instead, and that was really helpful and very cool. We had a lot of help from hospital, both Starship and Christchurch Hospitals. And a few years later, when we moved to Hawke's Bay from the hospital staff there. Uh, The nurses, doctors, they're all fantastic and amazing. Uh, We had lots of support from social workers in the hospital, lots of good advice, looking for options and help, that was really um, helpful. And we had lots of support and help from the church we went to, they helped us a lot when we were in Auckland. they supported us as much as they could. When we finally returned back to Christchurch, they had provided lots of practical help, uh, meals, lawns. uh, They even got us a dryer, which was um, really useful for us. Uh, And that support was actually very important for sanity.
0: How did you cope mentally, spiritually, and emotionally each day?
1: I'm not sure, really. Uh, I think all the support that, came from very many different people in many different ways is something that helped us a lot and helped us cope. I certainly think you couldn't cope without that support. Um, Also, I think something that helped us cope was doing little things every day. So we drove to Starship and back each day from the place we stayed in. And Jenna's mum and I would take the chance to sing songs or to tell stories, and we'd choose a car on the highway and tell a story about the car's life. Uh, We also made a point of talking about something we were thankful for during the day or the moment. That's something that was pretty useful for us. And we took time in the day to have a break, uh, to go into the Central Business District in Auckland or something, to do something nice. Um, and just to take some time to look after yourself. Um, I guess also another thing that helped me cope or us cope was prayer, prayer and faith. Uh, It's kind of hard to explain and describe and, uh, you know, it probably sounds a bit trite as well. Uh, But prayer and faith were very important to us. In my case, uh, we had a Christian faith, I have a Christian faith. And it was key for me and my wife during this time. One uh, hard to describe and 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 discuss, but one of the things faith does for me in that situation was that it allows me not to worry about things like what my life will be like now that this has happened. Uh, what is the future going to be like? Sure, you battle with it, but your faith gives you a way to deal with that. There are natural worries, but your faith gives you a way to deal with that. And instead, what I found was the faith allowed me, instead of worrying about all that stuff, allowed me to focus on the bits in the day and to be present in the day. And um, I could focus on that. I could focus on who I wanted to become rather than worrying what life would be like. And that meant that I could encourage my wife. I could talk well with the doctors. I could be present for my wife and my children. And I could express myself well and uh, contribute to people. And that was really helpful for, and it meant I could enjoy the little things that came along. So in some ways you could say it was being present in the moment. Uh, Even though, uh, for me, that's only a small part of what faith is. Um, Another thing probably that helped was that Jenna's mum kept a diary. And the aim that she had in that diary was that she would give it to Jenna on her 21st. And so she would take photos and record anecdotes and stuff like that. I think that helped a lot. That helped a lot over the long term because that was a pretty much lifelong project. Another thing I think is that helped us cope is that Jenna's mum and I made a decision that we would approach this as a team, and that if we didn't do that, we, we wouldn't survive. So we made that decision that we would approach it as a team. We looked after each other as a team and did things as a team. And so that meant we didn't blame each other for the situation, but we chose to support each other and deal with things together as they came up.
0: How does having a sick child impact your mental health?
1: Let's see, there's the immediate and the long term, I think. First is anxiety. Uh, when you hear your child is sick, you think it's your fault and you're at, um, and that, you know, it's because of you. And so you get anxious about that. And um, if you don't be careful, you can start to blame yourself for it. Uh, for us, talking that through with doctors was pretty important. Uh, and that really helped a lot. Um, and then there is the anxiety about how you're going to cope in the future. And if life will forever be like h- what it is in hospital with your sick child. You know, with with the constant medicines, the constant lack of sleep and that. Um, what helped for us here was that my, my wife and I talked to each other every day about this. And we encouraged each other that we will get through this. We don't know what the future will look like, but we will work it out and we will be there. Um, and we had a goal. We formed goals and objectives for our children and for Jenna. And that really helped. And our faith helped too, as well. And really, um, that anxiety, that worry is something that you battle with every day. And you need to... Um, basically engage in that battle every day. I Also think that um, for many parents, that's a period that can lead to depression, because it doesn't seem to be a clear future path. And there's also a lack of sleep, and a lack of space and time for yourself. And that can affect things and lead to depression. So one of the things that we did was to make sure that at least one of us had a had a good sleep every night and we would take turns really so the first half of the week uh, my wife was the one who got to sleep every night the second half of the week it was me who got to sleep every night that helped us a lot and also during the day we would make sure that space was given so that one of us could go off and do something fun by ourselves Um, and eventually in the long term somehow you've got to accept that What was normal has changed, and a new normal is now normal. Um, But I think there are also positives, that sort of like negative impact of mental health. I think there's positives as well. Uh, We watched Jenna grow, and we noticed that she never felt sorry for herself, and she met challenges cheerfully and with determination and very bravely. And this was great to see, and it helped us to stop feeling sorry for our situation and so that was really positive and a positive thing for mental health which outweighed a lot of all the other things Um, when you look back that was sort of like that was pretty fantastic I think also you'll note that I use the word us here a lot I'm not talking about just me use the word us rather than me and I think that's because this was a team effort and I think doing this as a team effort with my wife really helped us cope with some of the impacts um of on mental health during this time
0: what are your tips for parents going through something similar
1: i think if um i think one tip i would go is that decide to work as a couple if you are a couple if you are one decide to work as a couple i guess if you're not a couple you find somebody who will be supportive and present for you but for us um working as a couple together it was pretty key that means no blaming or criticizing or venting anger and choosing to use words that encourage and build up your partner uh choosing to share your feelings and ask for help rather than venting uh so those are things I think making sure if you're a couple, making sure that at least one of you gets good sleep for two to three nights a week and to take turns about. Work as a couple to give each other space to have a break. I think choose to be thankful. And you need to be proactive about that, that is something to work at. I think also don't sweat the big stuff, uh, but other, and because, it, or another way of putting that is be present in the moment and enjoy the little things. I've I've all think I've already said. Um, make sure you do a nice thing for yourself once a day. And um, communicate. Ask ask friends. Ask family for help. Those would be my tips. Cheers.
2: So now we're going to talk to Christina's mum, so, so Fiona, just talk to us through what Christina's first few years were like.
3: Christina's first six months were as a normal, healthy baby. She met all her milestones, gained weight, did all the things she was supposed to do. And then around about five months, she started to become fussy about some things and the Plunkett nurse and the GP just put it down to neurotic mother syndrome. Um, But I knew something was not right. After around about, so early September, Christina started to lose movement in her lower legs. She stopped being a footsie baby, didn't like hanging out in her um, jolly jumper and just little things like that and was yeah just kind of going off the boil so eventually um, the doctors twigged that something wasn't going right and we kind of got rushed into hospital rather a bit quick um, to be confronted with the news that she had a tumour growing in her spine. Uh, she had an emergency laminectomy and uh We were basically told that she may or may not ever regain full function of her legs Um, they began chemo pretty quick Um, so she went through a first protocol of chemo and that restored the function in her spine very quickly remember the neurosurgeon being smiling he never really smiled but he smiled when he pricked her foot and she flinched so all good um so that so that took us through to the end of the year. We had a few weeks off, and then she began a second protocol of chemo. And that took us through till about May when they decided um, to wa- to wait and watch what was going on. The tumour had shrunk. The metastases had gone. She was basically doing well. And she was just now starting to suffer from the chemo effects. Uh, so then, yeah, we were sent home with a... Three monthly checkup, and then it became six monthly, and and on, and it took about five years before we finally got rid of those uh, those appointments. Once, so she learnt, she did all the other things that normal toddlers do: walked and talked, and went to kindy and playgroup and socialised, had a best friend, started school, and just kind of got on with life. And then when she was about eight, we noticed that her was starting to curve so she um, ended up with a scoliosis mostly caused by the tumor that's still in her just forcing things to grow around it um, ended up wearing a Boston brace for three or four years and then in when she was 10 going on 11. So the first year at Intermediate, she had the first of her spinal fusions. And six months later, had the second one. So that first year of Intermediate was a bit of a blur for her. Um, And since then, she's just kind of progressed as a mostly normal teenager.
2: (laughs) As a parent, what were the emotions going through your mind through that period of time?
3: Ah, oh my God. Um, Emotionally, I mean, you just deal with the emotions as they come up. A lot of them you don't have time for, so you just put them in a box and you'll deal with them later. And, you know, it's it's very busy having a sick child. You have things coming at you all the time. You're sleep deprived, you're food deprived, you're fresh air deprived. you're sort of over-visited, over-stimulated, and you're dealing with a sick child as well. Um, so emotions, yeah, that's just extra. You know, you just push them aside. Um, anger is something I felt sort of probably the biggest one and a sense of, oh, my God, what next?
2: We understand that Christina's dad was also going through some health issues at the same time. What was it like during that season?
3: Yeah, he had... Um, he was in end stage renal failure before she was born and within three weeks of Christina being born, he got. Um, they decided that he needed to go on to uh, peritoneal dialysis, which was an interesting balance. So he did that uh, six hourly and he continued to work and we just slotted it into our, our family routine um, and was actually able to continue doing all that all the way through. Uh, uh, at that Christmas, so C- Christina's first Christmas on Christmas Eve, we got a phone call to say that there was a donor for him. And so Christina's first Christmas was now Christmas Eve. We managed to spring Paul from the hospital to stay home Christmas night, uh, Christmas Eve night and uh, took him back in on Christmas Day when he got his new kidney. That was a heck of a Christmas present. Um, Yeah, so his health, health, once he'd got his new kidney and got all his drugs and things in balance, his health stayed pretty good right the way through until about five years ago. So it was extra stressful um, dealing with sort of two sick people, trying to be the the person that kind of held it all together, but uh, you just kind of suck it up and get on with it.
2: What kind of support did you have around you during the season?
3: Actually, we were pretty well supported. So my mum just lived at the top of the road, so that was um, convenient. Um, I had really good next-door neighbours who kind of kept an eye on the place, fed the cats when necessary. Uh, My dad uh, lived four hours drive away but was always happy to come down. Um, The initial time that we had in hospital. My sister, who was in Sydney, pretty well dropped everything and came out and joined me for 10 days and just kind of hung out with me in the hospital, which was amazing because she kind of stopped me from spiralling out, made sure I ate occasionally and went for a walk. Um, I also had been involved with a really good antenatal class group, and, which we had kept going, and my plunket in the neighbourhood group. They were really supportive. I had friends and other friends and family around who would bring food and themselves and um yeah just and people would do things to this day we still don't know who mowed the lawns one day we remember saying oh we must cut the grass this weekend and came home on friday and it was already done and we don't know who ever did it and they didn't use our lawnmower because one of the things we had to do was get fuel so it wasn't our lawmower, they used whoever that is, you know who you are, we thank you. Um, just random little acts of kindness all the time. So we had pretty good support. Paul's work was really supportive. He worked right across the road from the hospital and between being needing to be in the hospital for appointments for him and for Christina, they were, you know, really really good about just you know, just go. Just How did you cope
2: um, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally each day?
3: Oh, my goodness. Mentally. I always bought the newspaper, and I did all the word searches and numbers and, and all those things just to keep the brain from atrophying. Didn't really read or do anything else, just not... Not in a mindset. So just just lived on crossword puzzles and number puzzles and things like that. Um, Emotionally, just tamped them down. Just didn't go there. And spiritually, just kind of angry at God for making all this happen. Christina was a baby that was conceived with a lot of help, much longed for and wanted. And, you know, this was kind of like the, what the? (laughs) Um, But, yeah, we just kind of got through each day spiritually there was a lot of prayer support for us going on um you know usually when you're in the thick of something you don't have the time or the ability to pray but we had prayer all over the world so felt very supported that way
2: how does having a sick child impact your mental health
3: ah all parents live in a state of anxiety and worry. I think having a sick child just it adds another layer to that. You tend to um, be hypervigilant. And then also having an immune-compromised adult in the house made me even more hypervigilant, especially around um, childhood diseases. I remember when Christina got chickenpox. It actually wasn't a big deal for her, but it was a huge deal for Paul. He had to. Go on antivirals. He basically had to, you know, live like we do now. Isolate himself, and um, yeah, big deal. So keeping disease out of the house was a big thing for us. Otherwise, um, you know, didn't worry about a bit of dirt that never killed anyone. Um, just waiting for, and mentally, just you just wait for the next the next boot to drop. You know, you you when you're in a period of of wellness. You keep wondering what's going to happen. When's the next episode going to happen? What next? Doctor's visits were always a bit sort of stressful. (laughs) Um, Because you never quite knew the nature of cancer is that it, you know, it just kind of sits there hanging out, waiting. You let your guard down sometimes.
2: What are your tips for going through for parents, um, going through something
3: similar? I think you just kind of have to focus on what's important. Live each day, hour, minute at a time. Um, Let the medical staff do the medical stuff and you need to be the parent. And you also need to keep actively parenting. So if your kids, you know, you don't want to go through all this and then have a horrid brat at the end of it. You know, you kind of have to keep them real as well. and need to let them experience life. You can't wrap them in a plastic bubble as much as you would like to. Um, and yeah, use the support. If people ask what can they do, give them something that they can do. You know, if it's if the thought of going home to a house that needs its windows washed blows your mind, then get someone, ask someone to do it for you. The worst they'll say is no. Um, yeah, bring take me out for pizza just you know just come and talk to me about socks (laughs) to christina (laughs) um just yeah you just kind of have to put your big girl panties on and get through it you just tough it out but use the support and don't try and be a perfect parent you know there are days where you're going to lose it and that's okay But then you just pick yourself up and get on with it, apologize to everyone, and then move on, you know. But, yeah, it's not easy, but it does teach you some important things about life, that you are strong and resilient, and these things you take forward with you.
0: Well, we want to thank you both for sharing your perspectives on such an intense time for everyone. We really appreciate it, and it's going to help a lot of parents go through some similar situations. So thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode. We will catch you next month, so stay tuned. Bye. Bye. Hey guys editing christina here just wanted to kind of talk about a couple of things that my mum mentioned in this episode so my cancer was a neuroblastoma uh, they never did remove the tumor it is now matured to a ganglioneuroma and the other thing is uh, mum quoted me with saying to talk about socks one of the things i like to say to people who are going through tough times whether it be a family member's cancer diagnosis or their own health issues or anything, I say, just let me know whatever you need. I'm here for you. Even if you just want to talk about socks for an hour, because going through this and going through dad's illness and Mum's illness made me realize that actually this is a topic that no one really talks about. It's strange. Um, it's a support mechanism so a lot of people talk about how they want to help and sort of things like that and they just want to talk about the people who are sick and the illness whereas sometimes we just don't want to talk about it that is our lives we don't want to talk about what's going on in our lives so it's just, just talk to me about socks what's your favorite color of socks all that kind of stuff and it just it shows people that you're there not just for the person with, with the illness for that per- period of time it shows that you're there and you're actually interested in them as a person I haven't had anyone take me up on the offer of talking about socks for an hour but I feel like it does sort of add something to that relationship and to that rather scary part of their lives is going on at that moment So yeah, anyone out there who wants to talk with me about socks for an hour, actually I'll take you up on that offer and if you want to talk about anything else, just you can message one of us and we are here for you, whatever you need. Thanks everyone and we will talk to you next month.